their legs caught in bear traps. A pair of doomed victims are forced to play an elaborate and fatal game by a jigsaw wannabe. Out of view of the camera, they work together to scratch a coded note into the ground. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Academy Q, episodes 36 through 39, The Murder Case of the Illusionary House. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine. My favorite color is orange, my favorite food is nachos, and my favorite flavor of ice cream is the truth. Now, on this podcast, uh, we watch Detective Anime along with some mystery guests. We've got a double feature of mystery guests for you today. Uh, you don't have to watch the anime if you want to li just uh, listen to us and have a good time, but we are going to spoil all the crazy stuff that's happening in this, the solution of the murder, lots of twists and turns, betrayals, unbetrayals, uh, and all that stuff. So um, you have been warned. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky. You continue to live with me and watch a lot of anime. Those things don't seem to change. And every time I think I've heard all your anime references, you mention another anime that I've never heard of. So I was just wondering if off the top of your head, you could name just a random anime that I wouldn't have heard of before. So say no Aquarion. What's what's that? The Genesis of Aquarion. <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh. I get it now. It's it's the Genesis of Aquarion. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not going to elaborate any further. No, I, I got that sense. Uh, but is there something you do want to tell us about today? Sure. Uh, actually, that's how Aquarion got into my head because the uh, one of the characters in that has an attack called like a uh, Jikoku Binta or Hell Slap. And we talk about hell a lot in these episodes. Uh, and I thought mm -hmm. I'd just uh, break down a few few little differences. I actually think the translators made a little slip up choosing uh, the wording that they chose on this one. So if you're talking about like the Christian hell, like the idea of like where bad people go, you're probably the Japanese people would probably say Jigoku. Uh, that's like the idea of like a bad place where dead people go. Uh, then you've got Makai, or the evil world, or the demon world, which is like where like malignant spirits or demons might live. Uh, and then you've got the one we used in this episode, Meikai, uh, which is more literally like the underworld or the netherworld, which like falls in with like the Roman Greek mythology a little bit more. Uh, so when they were saying uh, Meikai no Maestro, and they translated it as the Maestro of Hell, I think it's more like the Maestro of netherworld of the netherworld is a little more accurate, and I will come back to that later. Mm. What's the difference between the maestro of hell and the maestro of the netherworld? <laughs> yeah, I feel like, maybe because I was raised Catholic, but I think there's just a huge difference between, like, the idea of, like, the underworld and, like, hell, where, like, Satan lives, and, like, I don't know. That's just me, maybe. Well, someday we'll all find out, won't we? <laughs> all right. Uh, we've got a double dose of mystery guests, and we've, we've got to get them in here, because we are all literally exploding, uh, ready to talk about... <laughs> some anime here <laughs> so let me tell you about them 
Our two guests this episode, they are both improv comedians on the improv team Daddy Issues. They are both also co-hosts of the Rotten Treasures podcast, and they've solved some interesting mysteries in their combined minimum 35 years on this earth. I've cracked the case. It's Kai Bobby and Jimmy O'Donnell. Hello. Oh, Kai, were you going to do something? I'm here. It's me. Uh, welcome, both of you. So, Kai... Uh, you solved the mystery of the post-nuptial glances. Okay. And Jim, you solved the mysteries of the Goosebumps sleepover fright. Since it's a, d- a double feature with both of you, uh, when we get to the part at the end of the episode where we're going to talk about one of those, I'm going to randomly select one of you. Uh, Wait a minute, Noah. Wait a minute. Yeah. I thought you what? always forgot about the mysteries and you just happened to remember at the end. Is that all just a bit? <laughs> you know, sometimes I play it that way. Sometimes it's deliberate. <laughs> but it's always consistent. It's consistent. Mostly. So I've got uh, these win-lose banana cards. Oh, you were looking uh, through my desk drawer. Nice. Yeah. We'll use those at the end of the episode to to determine uh, who who gets to tell a story, who doesn't get to tell a story, and I guess a third person gets a banana. It was was quickly glossed over. What did you call my mystery? Uh, the post-nuptial glances. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's what I told you. Post-nuptial glances? I was going to say nuptial. Is Is that that the word? Nuptial? Nuptial. Nuptial. I don't know, man. I just blacked out and got drunk. We'll, we'll find out about it. <laughs> Maybe. I've never, I've never this... had much of a reason to talk about, oh, it's nuptials, right? So it would be nuptial. Yeah, right. because in a Liar Liar, that's that part where he says prenuptial agreement in a weird way. So that's how I know it. <laughs> All right, but we, we, we got to get to the important part, which is me asking you both questions. Let's do it. Yes. So anime, which of you is the bigger or smaller anime person? <laughs> And what's uh, your both relationships with the medium? Oh, good question. Kai, why don't you go first? <laughs> what? I have zero. There's literally no anime in my life. I don't know what counts. Then it's me. I watch, she- <laughs> I watch She-Ra. Does that count? Nope. Cool. Nope. <laughs> no. Ex- yeah. As far as I understand, I am... Uh, oh, that's not true, actually. I've seen a, a Zombie High. Is that what it was called? I watched that with uh, once with my roommate, like maybe four or five episodes. High School of the Dead? That's what it is. Yeah. It was something else. Yeah. It was known that I like zombies, so we gave it a chance. Is that like House of the Dead, except it's an anime? The video game you play in a movie theater? Wait, what? You know, that video game that every time you went to a movie theater and waited for your movie to start, you would play and shoot a bunch of zombies in a house? Oh, the arcade game. Yeah, yeah. House of the Dead. (laughs) I don't think I ever played that. I think it's probably taking a little bit of uh, name uh, inspiration from that, yeah. But aside from seeing a bunch of high school kids just um, who were all very big-breasted for some reason, um, that's, that's really uh, run away from zombies. That's, that's my experience with anime. That's, that's anime. the only thing I know about that show. Yep. <laughs> uh, personally, I have uh, a little bit more of experience. I have a lot of uh, knowledge of anime that's very American. Like, uh, I watched a lot of uh, Speed Racer and uh, Dragon Ball Z, of course, which I love Dragon Ball Z. Uh, Pokemon... Yu-Gi-Oh! I watched, uh, what was that show that everyone loves that's really good, that's a space cowboy show? Cowboy, cowboy Bebop. Bebop. Yeah, yeah, I watched that. Uh, and I'm currently watching One Piece. I'm about 150 episodes in, which means I'm about 10% of the way through the show. Yeah. I think being 150 episodes into One Piece uh, means you're now officially into anime. Yeah. <laughs> you can add that to your interests on your online dating profiles. No! <laughs> there was a time at the beginning of uh, quarantine where I was 
uh, playing with the idea of making watching One Piece like my quarantine project, and I sure didn't do it, and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I stopped yeah. watching One Piece as soon as quarantine started. I was like, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe, maybe Kai, maybe you'll be the winner in It's Not a Contest in this category. Well, uh, which of you is a bigger fan of the mystery genre? And now that's not just TV shows and movies. It's also books, podcasts, uh, the backs of cereal boxes where you're trying to find the Lucky Charms rabbit yeah <laughs> nope yeah no that's that's it jim you want to take this one first yeah i'll take this one first um i'm a little bit of a fan i used to read like hardy boys and uh, uh nancy drew books when i was a kid and uh i love a good mystery episode of a show where they're all locked into a house and they have to be like someone's been murdered like that episode of boy meets world but that was more of a horror movie i kind of i'd guess i'll say uh i don't like guessing who is the person which is bizarre uh i will always just be like it's that person and then i don't care for the for the rest of it i just let them take me on the story Mm. i want the answers now that's fair you're you're not going to spend the whole time like writing down clues you're gonna you're gonna let them tell you and like let the story unfold oh yeah i i am not there to solve the mystery i'm just there to let me them unveil a mystery in front of me yeah my relationship with uh mystery is that i watched the movie clue last night um so there's that. Uh, I'm really glad I did, though. It was perfect timing uh, for this as well. Uh, but well, you're not clueless. No, I, I am indeed not. Thank you, Noah. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, aside from that, I mean, as a as like a like a preteen time, I was really into reading mystery novels. For some reason, I enjoyed the anxiety at that point in my life. But these days, not so much. Uh, I agree with you, Jim. I just, I, it frustrates me. I'm just like, just tell me who it is. Ah! <laughs> uh, I felt a lot of that, to be honest with you with this. So we'll talk about it. <laughs> Great. I mean, one of our main goals is to give our guests anxiety. Good. Not true, but no. <laughs> so then this is probably the first time either of you have seen something that was particularly like detective anime or that looked exactly like this. Uh, yeah. Other than uh, watching episodes for other episodes of your podcast... <laughs> I watched like the first five episodes of this anime to watch to listen to the first like five episodes of your oh, podcast. Cool. Oh. So were you li- you were watching the episodes and then listening to the podcast? Yeah, I liked it uh, better that way. <laughs> suck up. We now we know who the suck up is out of the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to win the contest at the end. Okay. You won already. <laughs> well, I'm uh I'm always curious what order people are doing it in because yeah because we do spoil the mystery so then you like watch it and you already know what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, we we we've got four episodes to do today, so we're we're gonna we're gonna move into it, and you know, jokes are allowed, oh. but everyone please behave. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, Detective Academy Q, I feel like the plot of that show just exploded all over this episode that, that we sure watched. <laughs> what is this show about? Yep, Detective Academy Q are the uh, adventures of a group of middle school to high school age uh, students who are attending DDS, the Don Detective School, uh, where they're learning to be detectives, and they are currently bumping up against their evil rival organization, Pluto, whose main shtick is planning perfect murder plans and selling them to people. And having prince tattoos. <laughs> and then getting really mad when it, when people do it bad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, this is the second time that we uh, have a new this the opening song and the closing song were new last time. Oh, mm-hmm. so this time they're almost new. 
Jim Kai any takes on the song? Did you listen to it four times? No. The opening? There's a there's a line <laughs> that that translated I really connect with, which is there are times when it's possible I will be depressed. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, I feel you, man. <laughs> uh, so that was my favorite takeaway from that song. Uh, but it was it was fun. It was it got me going. You know, I listened to it every time going from episode to episode because it was a good jam. I didn't listen. Uh, the only thing I connected with was at the end of the third episode, uh, there was a line that was, do you like them hard or soft? And I was like, that's in a song. But otherwise, I hate listening to <laughs> I hate listening to theme songs. Blasphemy! You're like you're like so happy to watch a Netflix show where the just the or the a modern television show where the logo oh comes my out for god, three absolutely I am. The only one I ever sat through was the ending credits of uh, Dragon Ball because I really liked that song. And then there's also one of the ending credits of One Piece was really cool. That was about it. Maybe you just hate music. Oh no. I have to throw out my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. So the f- this is four episodes. The first episode is episode 35, The House of Murders, uh, or The House of Illusion Murders. I feel like I wrote down the wrong thing. The Illusory House of Murders or something like that, right? I missed, yeah, I missed the word illusory. They they mention a few times, like, the, calling this the Illusory Mansion or the Illusory House, like, just, but nothing illusory particularly happens there, and it's the house isn't particularly interesting. That's what I was going to say. Like, what were the illusions? I expected, like, that episode of Teen Titans where it's like they walk into a room and it's like a MC Escher painting. But nothing like that ever happened. Yeah, it's really strange. Um, part of the setup when we, the murderous being set up, is there's this violin um, that's being passed down. And it's, the violin was made by Kuzuryu Takumi who is the trick art guy who made the school building that they're all in, which we talked about a few episodes ago. So that, Mm -hmm. for me, set up the expectation of, like, oh, is the violin going to, like, have something more significant about it? (laughs) And it didn't end up really. Like, they really set it up. Like, Ryu kept reacting to it, but we didn't get any satisfaction on that, I don't think. I thought it was going to have powers or something. (laughs) It was a very poorly animated violin. It was... (laughs) All the strings were, like flat which on a violin they're curved because you have to use a bow to go over them so if they're flat then you can't hit those middle strings so it was animated <laughs> weirdly like a guitar well we've watched a couple like decent music animes and in those anime you can they always like step up their game when they're animating people playing instruments and doing the songs because that's like the main thing about it but this is this was not the case for this anime yeah, we also have been seeing the head of this violin in the opening theme song, like, for a while. Uh, and, yeah, still no satisfaction on that. So I feel like we'll learn more about Kuzu to you in the episodes yeah, to come. That makes sense. So, yeah, the, the very first scene at the start of this episode sets up this idea of Pluto. It's uh, Miss Cowrie, who we've seen before. She's the lady with green hair who works for this nefarious organization, giving, setting someone up. Did you all, did you all catch on to Pluto's deal? That they're, like, planning a bunch of murders for people and not murdering people. And they're also, I think, a bunch of demons? (laughs) Question mark? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe? They're demonically themed. Yeah, they really play off the idea of Pluto and the underworld and that sort of thing. They also mix their uh, cultures a bunch because one of them is named Anubis, who is Egyptian. Mm -hmm. And then... They talk about Hades, who's the dad of... Oh, well, I, I won't go into that yet. Uh, um, yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, 
Hades is someone there. And then also the name of it is Pluto, which is the name of Hades, which is the Roman name of the Greek god Hades. So they mixed yeah. up a bunch of different places. Yeah, they've b- b- simmered it all together in a big pot of underworld soup. <laughs> <laughs> but the episode starts as this. They have been starting a lot recently in, in the headmaster's office, in Don's office. And this time it's a client who's come and asked them to, to help out. It's a violin student named Gotodo Manabu who has received a threatening letter, which was sent to his teacher, Yuge Masomi, who's a master violinist, kind of threatening to steal the violin, but it was sent by someone who is dead. Bum, bum, bum. Which is always uh, confusing yeah. for a letter. Especially <laughs> since they did that thing where, like, there's, like, a music sting when they say her name, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to know who the- she is. And then a fence lines up, and I'm like, what's going on right now? Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> I think let's let's go ahead let's go ahead and uh, and sp- and spoil her whole story because this is going to unfold throughout the episode. But I think we can we can say now what what happened to her. So her name was Hosho Mitsuru, mm-hmm. and she was like the star pupil of this brilliant violin. Sorry, teacher. just slightly hamfistedly. Her name Hosho uh, contains the kanji Hoshi or star, and like every time we see her, like she's got stars behind her. So they're really like she's the star. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Um, and what what ends up what ends up happening to her? What terrible thing happens to her? Well, she's no longer alive. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, yeah, right. she gets she loses her fingers. Yeah, to that's frostbite, that's horrible. Which yeah. was a plan. She runs out of gas and then is left to to just die, I suppose. Well, so she loses her fingers and she but she lives, but she goes into depression and then. As far as everyone is aware, she killed herself, but is missing from the scene of her own suicide. So we don't know if she's dead or not at this point in the plot. Yeah. And a lot of this we find out kind of slowly throughout, including which characters are maybe responsible for that accident that took her fingers and therefore the lifeblood of a violinist. Oh, yeah, that's harsh. <laughs> and the, the other thing I noted in this scene is the name of the violin, which is a, uh, an Italian name. Mm-hmm. Testa di Drago, the dragon's head. They say it a lot. That's what it is. It's a violin with a dragon's head on it. Ugly as hell. Oh, it, it looked awful. Really? Wow, okay. I'm a hot take difference. I thought it was cool. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I guess... I liked it. I, guess I liked the dragon motif. Yeah, I guess I'm easily satisfied. Kai, were you one of those kids that had, like, jeans with flames on the bottom of uh, the, the legs? Uh, next, next topic, please. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I thinking about... Now I'm thinking about gel pens. I, it's the same time period. Oh, you said gel pens. Gel pens, I, yeah. I thought you said Jill Pence. And I'm like, <laughs> you're, that's not a... You're mixing two people <laughs> <together>. <laughs> Yeah, I sure am. <laughs> so what else kind of happened? What else do we learn at this point before they go on the... I think we've covered most of it. Yeah. Uh, mostly we just learned they're splitting up the team. So our three mainest main characters, uh, Megu, Ryu, and Q are going to the mansion. Kazuma's getting the shaft and he just stays behind to do internet research. Oh my god, he gets <laughs> really the short straw oh, in these episodes. Oh, the poor episodes. hat boy. I thought that character, like, that was their thing. They just never get to hang out with anybody else. Like, they're just always <laughs> on their own. Well, he's the kiddiest kid, so they leave him behind for the da- most dangerous stuff. Yeah, for once. Uh, yeah, and then Kinta and Hongo are going to wait for uh, the client. Uh, what's his name again? Uh, b- 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 Gotoda? 
Yeah, Gotoda, uh, because he's going to like do something and meet them just before they go to the mansion. So, yeah, they're going to wait for him and then escort him there. Yeah, so let's 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 be prophets a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, we just talked we just mentioned six characters that mm-hmm. are kind of the main detectives in this story. Uh, starting with Hongo the teacher who uh, I realized last episode is a Wolverine type. <laughs> Uh, what did you all pick up on him throughout the episode? Which one is he? <laughs> Angry teacher. Angry teacher with the scar on his face. Big chunky watch. Oh, yeah. No. Black coat. Oh, oh, that guy. Yeah. The guy that's like, uh, if you're prepared and not a detective, you're a criminal. That guy? Yeah, yeah. 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 What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> did you identify, like, what are his characteristics or what did you oh, notice he's about a, him? He's a rough teacher. He... He he makes you learn by uh, he makes you learn by doing things the hard way. Right. He made them walk up a hill both ways in that yeah. rainstorm. <laughs> I don't know why, but he kind of reminded me of like the tough love in um, oh why am I totally blanking? Uh, Ellen Page is gay, but she's got superpowers. Juno. Um, no, it's on Netflix. The real world. Everyone's yelling at me listening to this podcast. Uh, the Umbrella Academy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got that kind of vibe from him. Just like I don't know. Yeah. Oh. I haven't been thinking about the Umbrella Academy, but uh, there are some comparisons to be drawn. I guess because it's similar to X Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he he's on the mission with Kinta. Kinta's the tall one, but the tall one who's a student. Any any thoughts on his on his being? Well, I've watched other episodes. I know he's he's the muscle. He's not exactly a great yeah. detective. He's kind of just tagging along. And yeah. you know, you know how every detective team needs a muscle. A tall 15-year-old mm-hmm. boy who's good at putting boys putting people on their backs and running them up up hills. Yeah, that was amazing. I don't think I have the upper body strength to do that. Uh, but he's <laughs> he's definitely a, a strong goon. A strong goon. Yeah, he... There's no other way to say it. <laughs> Uh, Kazuma, who's left at home. J- Jim, I guess you know his secrets Hat from boy? previous episodes. Oh, yeah, he's the computer nerd. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's super good at it. He's also super rich. That I didn't see up. that at any point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could see from his hat. It looks like an expensive hat. <laughs> we had a small moment where uh, a maid popped in and yelled at him for eating poor people food. Mm. Oh. oh yeah. If you all cut the post credit scenes. Oh, I thought that was just because he was eating junk food and she was like hey knock it off don't eat junk food okay that makes that scene makes a little more sense but it was now. his maid <laughs> i thought she was yeah. the maid of the school yeah yeah, yeah. this is the post credit scene of the third episode and like he's up late at night eat, sneakily eating ramen and he gets caught by his maid a mm-hmm. very relatable <laughs> we've all oh yeah had. all right so now we've just got the the three mainos so thoughts on megu and is that pink hair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I wish I wish she got more. I, I don't know. I feel like I didn't get enough from her. Um, yeah. So that's my first thought on her. There wasn't a lot of her. Jim, do you have episode. any hot takes right away? Um, They didn't go into her big thing in this one, which was that she has a photographic memory, uh, oh, which I have yes. a bone to pick with to Mike, uh, who has <laughs> in previous episodes said that that's not a real thing. It is, in fact, a real thing. There are people who have incredible uh recalling powers i'm saying powers but Mm. in reality it's just they're able to recall things perfectly uh there's a woman who can remember every detail of her life unfortunately 
Yeah. Mm. Jim, I actually, I do have a photographic memory. It's just a, uh, it's a disposable camera. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is Polaroid, so you just have to shake me a bit. And it all comes back to me. For our listeners, I think Kai just dabbed. No, I just felt, I don't know. I didn't mean to. If it, if it was, it was a subconscious dab. I didn't mean to. I just felt, I know, know what you're right. No, that was the body language of a dab. I apologize. All right. Remember that sound, because if you hear that from Kai in the future, it means Kai is dabbing. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess Mega really didn't have that much to do. She was mostly just kind of accompanying the Ryu and Q and a sounding board for them. Mm-hmm. And she's had certainly a more prominent role in other story arcs. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, let's talk about Q. He is the main character of the show. He's got like green hair with a white streak through it. Kind of short, kind of loud. I was going to say, he's got a lot of pep. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a peppy young young man. Uh, always bursts in, he's like, oh my god! <laughs> god, like very like, yeah. uh, Doc Brown excited, <laughs> but young. <laughs> uh, yeah, wow, what a character. The same, the same response. <laughs> Jim agrees. <laughs> thanks, thanks Jim for backing me up on that one. <laughs> And Kai, I feel like you had some opinions on Ryu. Um, I yeah. personally liked how much time he gets to spend. Like, at least twice, he spends an entire scene staring out a window into the rain. So I've learned I can be attracted to characters in anime today. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact for me to find out. Uh, yeah, no, I... I woo, uh, yeah, I don't know. The hair, the whole, like, longingly staring out the window, I guess it just got me. Yeah. I couldn't help myself. But yeah, no, I really, I don't know. I, li- I mean, I like that character. I was definitely, um, oh, I can't spoil anything. I've had moments of you being distraught. No, it's fine. We'll talk about it. We'll get there. He was the character that was like, hang on, we can't solve this mystery right now. I have to talk about my past. And then it like goes into a flashback. Right. <laughs> uh, that's how I felt about that guy. And also, he might be gay? Is that... <laughs> They play it up a lot, and they know what they're doing with it, and sometimes they have fun with it, but there's no actual, like, homosexual behavior thus far. Though I personally think Q and Ryu are uh, boyfriends, and that they have found their lost <laughs> their love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I 100% think that Ryu has a crush on Q, and Q is just completely oblivious to it, and I hope they end up together. <laughs> well, you know, there's always places on the internet you can go if you want that to be how I don't want ends. to go to there, because they are teenagers. <laughs> Also, Me- Megu oh, did, we didn't see it a lot, but Megu basically has a crush on both of them. So maybe yeah. they'll just love in a they'll end up in a love triangle or a thruple. When or... they're all when they're all grown I didn't up. notice that she can had you... a crush on uh, Ryu. <laughs> do, do, do you want us to take out some stuff? <laughs> yeah, can you edit out the part where I said I was attracted to a uh, anime teenager? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I can, I can. Uh, let me know at the end uh, if you want to edit it. No, out. it's fine. Keep it. It's you great. Can, no. <laughs> It's fine. We learn. We learn things and then we move on. I'm, I'm progressing as a human being. I'm fine. I mean, honestly, like the way they draw characters in anime, the age of them is variable and you can never tell. Thank you for making me feel better. He's supposed to be like 15. He's clearly a 30 year old boy. Thank you. Where the hell were we? I will tell you where we are. So we, we just we just talked about the characters a bit mm-hmm. uh, and which is very helpful because <laughs> we're about to meet a ton of other characters who have no defining characteristics. <laughs> so it's nice to set the bar there. But uh, now they're all going out to the, they're not all going out. The three of them go out to the mansion and meet all the suspects all at once in what is the most confusing way to do this. 
like right when they walk in the door, first of all, we meet the old man. I wrote down here that I thought he was going to be the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, the the old violin teacher who has all these students and owns this crazy house in the middle of nowhere. Well, the way the letter le- the letter reads, yeah. it's almost as if he's being threatened, which is the setup. Yeah, which is immediately why I was like, oh, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're gonna try too much to distinguish between some of these different characters because they don't have too many characteristics. But the mm-hmm. first student is Shirasu Mayumi. She is, she, is I don't know, maybe yeah, kind of cocky say, or she something. She doesn't get much screen mm-hmm. time. She's the first anyway. one to die. Her main characteristic is having an orange sweater. <laughs> to me, her main characteristic was she died because yes. that was when I was like, oh, she's a person. That was <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, the second student who walks in is Karishima Sonata, which I thought it was funny that his last name was Sonata. Is he the guy that's always wearing pajamas? Yeah. I, that's the guy who's always wearing pajamas in my mind. No, he's <laughs> the one who's always freaking out. He has like oh, he has like a, he has like a oh. light blue shirt <laughs> and then like yeah. very lightish kind of tan pants. So it looks like he's wearing pajamas always. He's, he's the one who really <laughs> hates that Demon's Banquet song. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've all been getting these phone calls where someone plays this one song on the violin and hangs up, and he in particular has been affected by it and is like really jumpy about it. I also thought that he was the other guy in the show. <laughs> uh, you're talking about Murasame Shion. That is exactly who I'm talking about. If it is him, <laughs> he has he has like a wild kind of face, almost reminding me the same kind of uh, style as Ryu's face. Yeah, I like wrote down. Right oh, so he's the slightly jerky, coolish guy. And uh, and he is uh, obsessive compulsive. We learn that's his. Oh trait. yeah, he is. He does have a different trait. <laughs> uh, and he very quickly points out that they're in the middle of nowhere, and the police can't get there quickly if anything happens, which is an important uh, element of the setup here. Um, and the the last student is Gatota, the fourth student who's not there because he's going to come up later with Kinta and Hongo. Right, he's the client that has called them there. He was easy to remember. There's three other characters in this mansion. Does anyone remember who they were? Yes. The maid. The maid. Mm -hmm. Because I wrote down immediately, the maid did it. Yes. I did too. (laughs) They gave her a name and I was like, well, it's her. And she comes in. She's so like kind of uh, non-suspectable because she's like so quiet and... Nice. Yeah, this this yeah. is uh, Tachika Arisa, and I specifically wrote down seems either very nice or too nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I'll say she's the maid with a secret. Ooh. And then we have the music critic and the instrument collector, an old man and a younger lady. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, an old man, but not as old as the oldest man. Right, just a different old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's pretty hard to tell old people apart. Is that a bad thing to say? I mean, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Specifically, yes. Not in anime, though, because everyone looks the same in anime. Unless they have anime hair and anime eyes like Ryu and Meg. Not Ryu. Uh, Q. Mm-hmm. Q yeah. has that nice anime hair. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Q and Ryu, they are going to have to share their room in the attic with Megu next door. That doesn't end up mattering, so I didn't even have to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a whole issue about who's going to get this very expensive, very fancy violin now because the person he was going to give it to is dead. Maybe mm-hmm. he won't even give it to one of his students, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. And they're all going to gear up for a 5 p.m. violin performance. Mm-hmm. And we just get like a quick shot of Kinta and uh, Hongo picking up Gotoda. Yeah. Let's zoom ahead mm-hmm. to the concert because uh, 
you know, he he plays this one song and we hear the song a couple times. It was the dead violinist's favorite song and it's very kind of sad. And it's called what? The Hell's Banquet? The Demon's Banquet. Demon's Banquet. The student Shirasu d- doesn't show up. And when, as soon as the guy starts playing, Kirishima, who is the very nervous one, runs out of the room. He also moves the bow way too much <laughs> for that song. The song is a very has a lot of very long, drawn-out notes, and he's playing it like he's going to be playing a hoedown. <laughs> and and then people have some weird reactions to the music. Like, he runs out of the room, but meanwhile, Ryu has, like, a literal out-of-body experience. Did anyone else notice that? Yes. I thought he was possessed by the music or something. I was like, what's going on here? Yeah, so, I mean, this is where I thought that <laughs> the, the connection between, like, the violins maker and Ryu is going to be revealed, because it's clearly, like, he's reacting to it. But nothing. And yeah, I just, I thought that they must have hit the brown note or something. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> when Kirishima ran, ran out, he like looked like he was going to intensely poop. And to the point that Q actually makes a joke about it. <laughs> oh, I didn't make a connection between the way he looked and Q's joke about him needing to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought he was just a worried guy. And then he just made a crass joke, which wasn't that crass. Everyone poops. I, I know that's from a book I read when I was a baby. <laughs> oh, you were reading books when you were a baby, were you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Joe was reading them to other babies, actually. He was far <laughs> Very advanced. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, you know, it's that thing of, like, the one baby in the the maternity ward in the hospital who's reading books to all the other babies. Yeah, I was going to say, he's yeah. he was the Tommy out of the group uh, in terms of, okay, that's a Rugrats thing. Yes. In terms of, you, you were clearly, yeah. Yeah, I was very clearly the Chucky in all my friend groups. I actually was too. <laughs> is, are we all just? Is this a podcast of Chucky's? No, I'm a reptar. I'm a, there's no doubt in my mind. I'm absolutely chaos, just storming into the room. In the back of my mind, I was like, was Kai maybe an Angelica when they were a child? I don't know. I was, no, I was, I was, I was just bouncing around the house, just like in like shirtless with my uh, cowboy guns, and you're like, so every. <laughs> Yeah, like I said. Wait, I was also that. <laughs> it's a good thing we have a podcast, Jim. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I have I have trouble telling the two of you apart. That's that's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, so now we're gonna get the murder. There's there's we're kind of cutting back and forth between the folks that are on the way and the stuff of the house. So I'm gonna do some of the stuff of the house, and then we'll see like what happened for the other people. Because uh, this is the first time where Ryu just. Like, he was so moved by the music, he goes upstairs and just stares out of a window at the rain. What do we think he was thinking? Um, about his past. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If that was <laughs> he was uh, thinking... Rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. I can't go back downstairs until my erection fades. <laughs> okay, cool. I was just... Michael. I was just trying to find out how kid-friendly this was and what I was allowed to say, so thank you, Michael. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is this is an explicit rated podcast, okay. but I rarely... Cool, cool, cool. It, I mean, I wasn't going to, like, swear immensely, but I was going to say, I, in my mind, he was just thinking, like, did I actually shart a little bit? Like, just, I, <laughs> I might have in full, in my orgasmic enthusiasm over this music. <laughs> but before he can put on a new pair of pants, uh, they hear the sound of glass breaking downstairs. Mm-hmm. And, like, people, arri- I noted what order, like, people arrived in. It does not matter one bit. So uh, I'm just going to tell you that I wrote it down, which takes more time than reading it. They also, at this point, uh, they did one of my favorite anime things where they have, like, uh, this dramatic moment where someone's been murdered. They're like, oh, my God, someone's been murdered. And then it does the uh, the cutaway to a commercial. 
with the like bow, 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 bow. and then it comes back and they're like I can't believe she's dead <laughs> <laughs> all the commercial cutaways in these four episodes were pretty much like hitting those beats oh, yeah. I wrote mm-hmm. I wrote down soap opera for sure yeah that's what I that's what I felt was happening here yeah we are gonna get clean <laughs> <laughs> So when they open the door, there's a there's a broken piece of a pot that's initially in the way, but they find her with a knife in her neck. The mm. pot broken all over the room. The CD player in the room is now playing The Demon's Banquet, uh, which is the same song that is the only violin song we're pretty much ever going to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, Shirasu, a.k.a. Orange Sweater, and I wrote down she has been super knived in the neck, like extra knived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is fun because they were, like, sent there as emissaries to to be detectives and to solve this mystery. But they're also children. But everybody just, like, lets them tell them what to do. Like, you all leave. We're going to investigate. <laughs> and it's set up to look like someone maybe escaped through the window because the window's open and there's, like, rain on the floor. Mm-hmm. But maybe no one did because there's no muddy footprints. So how could someone have done this? Well, so oh, the, yeah. the lack of print footprints was to imply they didn't come in from outside. Right, right. Oh, okay, that's how it comes back. I was going to say, did that not come back at all? But, yeah, now I realize it did. Okay. Uh, Meanwhile, some crazy shit is happening to uh, our car friends. (laughs) Because uh, every time they try... There's just a bunch of explosions triggering landslides and blocking the road. Mm -hmm. As they do. The road where the car is is blocked. The road away from the mansion is blocked. Yeah. They also tell some of the backstory about how Hosho, the the violinist who died a while ago, like, uh, after she supposedly killed herself, just jumped into the ocean, which is why her body was never found. Right. I wrote down down that those detectives put no effort into uh, solving her her death. They just were like, she's gone. She must have just slit her her wrists and then jumped into the ocean. Case closed. (laughs) none of the evidence points there (laughs) i think we get an answer to this later but it wasn't super clear there were two like big questions i had that i didn't feel like were answered i mean we got an answer of what happened to her pretty thoroughly we'll get there we'll get there yeah it it was weird um so yeah so that so now they're gonna have to walk the rest of the way and that means that's what's slowing them down so they hear about like the murder over the phone but they're still just walking and they're still trying to get there Mm-hmm. For literally hours, right. mm-hmm. yeah, literally hours. And there's a little moment I I, I noticed in here where uh, Kinta offers to carry uh, what's his face is the client's uh, bags, and he's like, "No, no, I got it." <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh. There. <laughs> Dumb foreshadowing, but yes. Let's talk through their whole journey, right? Because th- this continues on into the next episode. In the next episode, they're still walking. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So, so the next time we see them, Kinta is getting really hungry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. And he gets teased with the candy bar, whatever the heck it was. Just totally faked <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, the teacher's like, you want this? No, let me give it to this guy. Right. Well, this is the part you mentioned earlier, Jim. Yes, this is, this is the time for him to get a hard lesson about uh, not bringing candy bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that weird assertion that uh, detectives are always prepared, but if you're not a detective and you are prepared, you must be a criminal, which is like... There's other situations. Now, <laughs> literally anyone can be prepared. There's an entire there's an entire organization that are about preparedness called the Boy Scouts. <laughs> They're all murderers or detectives. 
Don't you <laughs> did, did this hint uh, work for anyone else? Because this did point me in direction of thinking about who the actual killer was. Yeah, and I was thinking about that at, at this point anyway. So, yeah. I'm incredibly oblivious. Every single twist and turn, I was like, oh, they did it. Oh, no, it's something else. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was, again, sticking to my conviction that it was the maid. <laughs> Um, right, so they're they're walking in the rain at this point. There's only the th- there's only three of them there: Hongo and Kinta and Gotoda. So I'm like, huh, that says one. Uh, that says the thing to me. This is also the first part where I noticed them calling the house the House of Illusions or the Illusory House, and I was like, when did yeah. they start calling it that, and why? <laughs> and yeah, they're they're still going to keep walking even after that. So going back to some of the stuff in the previous episode, the main thing is. That they the main things left in the first episode are they have dinner and Karishima dies. Mm-hmm. So what important things happen with at dinner? Dinner was when we find out that the one guy was OCD, right? Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that's the main thing. Uh, he showers three times a day. I know uh, he one. has two glasses of whiskey after dinner. Nice. He doesn't eat around people, and he shakes everything liquid that he eats or drinks, right. no matter what it is. Which I thought was funny because that means that every time he tries to drink soda, he always sprays himself <laughs> with the soda. That's the first. Thing, yeah, that's the first thought that came to my head too. I was like, wait, what? What a way to live. There was specifically a soda in like the weird like pan of like food items that they did later, and it was like a Dr. Papper or something like that. <laughs> I thought it would be perfect. Yeah, that this guy would be perfect at like keggers because he would just like shake them up and like just double bite them and just like just like yeah. <laughs> but he's already had two glasses of whiskey. Also, like he always has two glasses of whiskey after dinner is not. That's just like a thing. Some you know, like a lot of people have whiskey after dinner. Yeah, I'm... and they're called alcoholic now. <laughs> I, I just literally raised my hand when you said that. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do occasionally. Okay, uh, you have a question? No, <laughs> no I uh, I do. I'm, I do have a, an occasional glass of whiskey after dinner. As do I. Yeah, but I think that the idea is that because he's OCD, uh, something will go wrong if he doesn't th- do that. However, it th- that part doesn't matter. <laughs> so. We also the maid isn't there eating dinner. Instead, she's somewhere else playing the violin, and we get a sh- we see her like playing the violin very well. Specifically, oh. the demon's banquet. Is she the is she the dead woman in disguise? I wondered. I actually was distracted that whole time because first of all, I was like, well, clearly she's the murderer because she's playing that song. Uh, and second of all, why is there a piano playing? She's playing. Th- she's the only one in that room, and she's playing a violin, and everyone else is at dinner <laughs> because they only have one version of that track. <laughs> On the mini disc. Oh, that's the real answer. <laughs> that early bull- 2000s bullshit. So uh, Ryu ends up going up to the bar and finds the guy there who is drinking whiskey as expected. And Ryu is acting really strange. And I thought it's like he knows Pluto is involved. He knows something is going on. Uh, he specifically is like, you got to tell me what you know about Hosho or you are going to die. And like his eyes get very small. And like, it's supposed to be a, a fake out. Like, is he going to kill him? Right. Yeah. But everybody walks in on a pretty horrifying scene. I mean, him down on the ground. What, what, I mean, when, what I thought was blood on his stomach, but was it not? I was so confused. Cyanide will make you cough up blood. Okay. Yeah, that I, makes I, sense. I, I believe. Okay, cool. That's what I thought happened too. Yeah. I've never had cyanide before. They're like everyone walks in and they're kind of sh- they're kind of shouting at each other and then the guy falls over and that's where the episode ends but it'll pick up like right back there when they find out he's dead because of cyanide poisoning. Yeah, I said that very boldly like I don't actually know if cyanide causes internal hemorrhaging, but in every anime version of it I've seen it has happened, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they do the thing with like ha 
and then blood comes out of their mouth i'm always like yeah they had cyanide <laughs> did anyone else rejoice in like the tonal whiplash when the end credit song started to play <laughs> and it's so cheery <laughs> wait wait before they did that though did it, uh was that when ryu like pointed at pointed at the camera and goes the killer was you and then they cut to the song or the commercial no, i think that's later that's two, oh. that's like two other end of episode things <laughs> they, yeah they do it twice and both times i wrote down the killer is me <laughs> <laughs> Jim, don't give the reveal how now how great how would that have you? been if they well just, it's funny like, because we just noticed the, the other day there's an anime this current running season that specifically like sets it up so the person watching the show is the protagonist although it's mostly about like sexy women but <laughs> you just reminded me of that right we were we 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 always were like oh what are the new animes that are out that we can watch and this is not one we chose to watch but it it looked like, <laughs> it looked like it's basically like an attractive girl anime character talking to you as if you know she's in love with you you the viewer me <laughs> <laughs> if anybody is lonely like our poor kid Kazuma here, who has the post credit scene where he's just like in the classroom alone and kind of is sighing. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we're at the end theme real quick, I owe the listeners from last episode, I said I would translate the song because I forgot to. Uh, and it's Kaze ni uh, Mukai Aruku Yoni, uh, which translates to walking in the direction of the wind. And the general theme of the song is like they're choosing the difficult path of walking against the wind instead of with the wind. And which is why they're all walking in the end theme. Oh, did Bob Seger write the song? <laughs> uh, I don't know who wrote it, but it was sung by Hayami Kishimoto, who is the singer of the first opening theme of the show, and I think all of the ending themes after the first one. Bob Seger had a song called Against the Wind. All right, so we're now on episode 37, Melody of Death. This is not shaping out to be a short episode. <laughs> Thank you both for being here. No, no problem. <laughs> also, uh, a slight missed opportunity translation on this episode title. It's actually uh, Shinigami. They say like a death god or a, like a reaper rather than the melody of death. So it's like implied it's the song of the murderer. Oh. Now, I have some qualms here because they realize the guy is poisoned with cyanide and they're like, well, maybe the poison is in the whiskey. And everyone's like, why, why would, how did you know he was going to drink it? And it's like, you told us three times that this guy right. always drinks two glasses of whiskey after dinner. It makes total sense to try to poison him by putting poison in the whiskey. Well, I love the explanation we get on this. It's so bonkers. <laughs> Later on, it's it. also yeah. incorrect. <laughs> yeah. um, something else that's bonkers that, that bothers me in these, in these like, discoveries of bodies um why is everyone touching everything in the crime scene <laughs> what is that about they clean up the crime yeah, scene they're like mm, let me just change the radio let me place it around the boom box over here whatever like it's just i don't know it does it gets to me hmm An, uh, hmm, a vase was the murder weapon clean it up <laughs> yeah, they're pretty they're pretty inconsistent in the show with that stuff because sometimes the animators will specifically go to the effort of like they're putting on their gloves they're preserving the scene they're using tweezers and sometimes they're just like they're touching stuff yeah let me just let me just taste <laughs> let me just taste this cyanide real quick in this bottle too oh my god Not really like, yeah oh. you don't you don't do that you don't lick the cyanide <laughs> yeah Are, did these guys also work on the oj trial Boom! Yeah. Well, shortly on in the episode, they realize there's a second landslide closer to the house, like completely barring their cars from even trying to leave. So (laughs) at that point, it's like no one's going to be able to get here for a while. So it's Mm -hmm. creating pressure on them to solve the murder right away, which, you know, when you got to solve a murder, you got to touch things. That's fair. Sure. I mean, I'll know that next time I solve a murder. But I love like 
they, they're all like, Ryu, you're very suspicious because we saw you pretty much throttling the guy. Mm-hmm. And Q defends him, which like it really is really touching. And mm-hmm. then Ryu goes away to uh, d- d- do what? Be shirtless. He's shirtless and he's like staring into a glass of water. Which I was not attracted to. Is this Ryu? <laughs> is this Ryu thinking about his? Is this Ryu thinking about his past again? Kai, now we have to leave the previous part in for context for that statement. No, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> that's good. That's fine. It's my fault. And then he he hears an old man being like, "You can't escape your destiny," and he shatters the glass that he's holding, which makes his hand hurt and bleeding, and throws it into the sink. Oh, that may be queasy. Yeah. My favorite part about that is he goes, it wasn't me. I didn't shatter that vase. And then he shatters glass in front of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, this we have a little context here because we've heard Ryu and other characters talk about Ryu's grandfather and Ryu's grandfather's expectations. So I'm like, that's the grandfather's voice for sure. Yeah. And someone earlier or later in the episode does some one of the suspects throws a vase when people are accusing him. Yeah. Um, you, oh, you that's what I was that. talking about. The vase, that vase explodes, and, like, there's so much water inside that vase. <laughs> like, an explosion of water. It's not what you expect <laughs> when you shatter a vase. Yeah, well, Ryu has his, like, his, I've solved the trick moment after, you know, being shirtless. So then we lead up to this scene, then, where he's basically accusing someone. That's exactly what's happening now. Mm-hmm. What is, how does he explain this trick? Well, this is why I was, I actually laughed, because my previous note was uh, that, uh, she, Shirasu, yeah, Shirasu's main characteristic was having an orange sweater because they dress up futons in an orange sweater to be her dead body to explain the trick. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is the most like the most ridiculous reenactment of a murder that I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and they and they set it up so that the those two candelabras holding a knife above her neck, mm-hmm. and then when they turn on the sound of the 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 music the bass resonates with the vase on top of the dresser and has it drop down and and hit the knife and put it into her throat mm-hmm. the blood spatter on the vase was such it seemed like it had to happen in that order i liked the little lesson we got on how vibrations can make things move because <laughs> everyone was so in disbelief over that everyone was like but if music was played how did the vase fall <laughs> it's like well simple because vibration makes things move and sound makes vibration. Yeah. <laughs> While resonant frequency is a thing, and you can like do things like shatter a glass with the right frequency at the right volume, it would require such ridiculous precision to make this a reliable method. Like, yeah, it's beyond the pale. Right, and for, to make the <laughs> to make it like the vase like specifically go one direction on like or the other, it's like what? Right. To fall directly have, onto the knife. It would have to be like the right amount of heaviness and the right side to definitely go. It would be. Yeah, it's a whole I thing. Like, this but is, that's what. Pl- yeah, this is like that's Pluto shtick. This is a weird like saw level way to try to die, but like I know. <laughs> well, welcome to detective anime. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Oh, god. <laughs> if that if that didn't work out, it would have been great if she just woke up. She's like, "Why is there two candelabras over my <laughs> neck? And also, why is there a knife at the two candelabras? <laughs> Who was trying to kill me in the most convoluted way possible?" <laughs> I can tell that uh, you you have not listened to Dying Message Challenge because <laughs> that is uh, the the epitome of this kind of murder. Oh yeah, and it's funny you say that, Noah, because I almost feel like just in general, these like isolated mansion murders are like almost a throwback to the Crooked House, uh, right? Which was a novel from the early '80s. That's pretty notable. And they like specifically named this house, and they put them in a, in a, a special scenario. So I wonder if they were like hearkening to that a little bit 
Well, they did a bad job because the <laughs> mansion and murder in the crooked house has very specific, very weird things about it. And this is just a generic house in the mountains. Yeah. But they named it. They named it. The, <laughs> mansion. the other thing is they heard a bunch of noises, not just the breaking vase. So they're like, how did all this other stuff break? Uh, and this, the answer is this isn't a CD. It's an MD. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Am I supposed to know what an MD is? Did I miss that part of like our society? It's like rewritable CDs before we had rewritable CDs. Cool. They did not see a lot of use outside of music recording. Sure. If the cell phones in this like movie were from the 80s, why not actually also have more stuff be from the 80s? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Michael, what you're saying is if it was on a CD, nobody could have changed with the track or messed with the track. But because it's on an MD, someone was able to mess with it, and they right. added sounds of other things breaking. Mm-hmm. Which... I immediately thought they knew that was going to get discovered at some point because someone's going to play back the CD and listen to the track mm-hmm. that was playing during the murder to, at right. some point during this investigation. Mm-hmm. And that's a plot point. I was very confused at the point of that. I was like, clearly they're going to hear the shattering. Like, okay. <laughs> well, they want to make it look like someone was in the room. So it sounded like all this other stuff was broken at the same time. Right. Um, and someone would have had it to be in the room to break all the pots. Right. The idea is to create the illusion of a struggle, or at least that's the setup. So there's broken things all over the room, but they were actually pre-broken and these sounds were played so that you could hear them, which sets up the initial like f- alibi for everybody except uh, Kirishima, who is accused by Ryu because, and this is a little convoluted, but this is what they did. Uh, everyone else uh, was in a soundproof room at the time. Like if, it, if the glasses were broken at any other time, you would have heard them because you could hear glass breaking wherever you were in the mansion. But because they didn't hear it, those glasses must have been broken at the time that Kirishima was out of the room. So that sets him up as the murderer. And, and, and I was pretty confident it wasn't him because it was too <laughs> soon. It was too soon to be right. So Ryu accuses him. He throttles him. He's like, you're a fucking idiot. And he storms out of the room after dramatically breaking a vase. Yeah. Kyu talks to him a bit. I think we mostly covered the things in that conversation. I don't know if anyone else picked up something in that scene. I think that was at one point. Oh, he said lost her fingers. And he went, lost? Like, okay, that's not the weird part. Mm. Yeah, also the guy mentioned revenge, which is what, uh, that this might be being done as revenge, which is what clues Q on to ma- that maybe he was involved with the loss of the fingers. Mm-hmm. But the Q does spot a clue, which is there's a broken vase on the ground and there's a big indentation where it hit the wooden floor, mm-hmm. which cues them onto stuff later. And then they get a call from Cosma, who explicitly tells us how the accident was orchestrated that caused her to lose her fingers. All four of the other students were involved. Gatota was holding a concert in the blizzard that he declared at the last minute. Shion had borrowed... Uh, the dead girl's phone and dropped it into a lake. <laughs> Karishima had borrowed the car and used up the gas. And Shirase had borrowed her winter clothes and taken them skiing. <laughs> All of that made me so mad that I'm, oh, sure, sure. I think it, it made me mad, one, because like, why would anyone think of that? And then two, because it was true. That was what happened. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, yep, that is, you, you got it. You nailed it. We, we did a crazy thing and you figured out the crazy thing we did. <laughs> and I don't think, I, basically, I think what we're to believe is Kazuma has like figured this out using his weird crime solving software. Not that he's actually like researched it somehow. So it's like, it's not guaranteed to be true, but that's his deduction. 
Um, unfortunately, at this point, our folks are getting close to the mansion, but they have lost track of Gotoda. They're trying to climb up the cliff, and they don't see him down below. So they're like, oh no, let's go back down and look for him. We see uh, like Q and, what, is it Q and Megu run out to look for them? And we see like a creepy shadow guy lurking. Yeah, they do. Oh, we didn't talk about the creepy shadow guy. Earlier no, in the we, episode, we, we saw episode. a creepy shadow guy, and he did this creepy smile, and he was talking about the Hell's uh, Banquet. Right, this is creepy shadow red-eye guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. yep, 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 yep. That's how they show that him doing stuff when they don't want us to know exactly who he is. Yeah, it's like in Clue when they have the uh, the murder with black gloves. But, spoilers for the movie Clue, they're all the murderer. How did they all get the same black gloves? <laughs> Find out next time. There was a sale at uh the glove depot all right <laughs> where does one go to buy like nice gloves like murder gloves yeah <laughs> uh i have some oj simpson style like leather gloves that i got at uh like jc penny mm. i was gonna say a department store yeah yeah <laughs> uh but then there would be like a receipt of your purchase anyway <laughs> <laughs> not if i throw it away <laughs> so they um they're, they're out there looking for the guy who fell off the cliff. Q mm-hmm. almost falls, and Kinta catches him, and he sees Gotoda right below him at the bottom of the cliff. And then when they all get back into the house, they go to try to find Karishima, the very nervous guy. Uh, but he's not answering his door, and when they go inside, he is also dead with a syringe slash needle uh, near his hand. End of episode. Oh, and then there was a PSA, a G.I. Joe <laughs> PSA. Did you know that it it's it's not the cyanide that smells like almonds, it's the seeds. And then they all and then they go <laughs> end of episode. Yeah, this postcard scene didn't do much for me. It was cute, I guess. <laughs> I feel like the way they clap was probably a reference to some other thing that happens at the end of some other show that other Japanese people at the time would have known about maybe. Maybe. But there was also like when they also weirdly clap at times, like when they introduced the guy for the concert in the first episode. They clapped for like a good two minutes where I was like, can we stop clapping now? <laughs> Are we just wasting time? There's like five of them and they're clapping for like 20 minutes. It's like, get on with it. I want to hear the violin. I want to hear this. I want to hear the soul get drawn out of cue. Right. It's like when, I don't know, this might just be an experience from my life, but when you have like folks come over for a dinner or whatever and they play the piano because you have a piano, but they're the ones who are good at playing it. And then there's like three of you standing there and you all clap. And it's like three people clapping is never going to sound good. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we high five now. But you forget, Michael, the dead lady didn't have fingers. It's going to make that hard. (laughs) Moving on. She's also dead in the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 38, Murder Concerto. Mm. The best kind of concerto. (laughs) Um, so they, uh, let me read you the suicide note that Gotoda left, supposedly. Mm-hmm. As Hosho's spirit ordered me, I've executed three sinners. The last of them is me. Here then, I execute myself and play the final notes of this death concerto. Mm-hmm. What a note. <laughs> it was also like very much like clearly a setup. Like I was like, a suicide <laughs> note? Someone else wrote it. Come on. Guys. <laughs> I, this isn't my first mystery. <laughs> You think this is over? Come on. You guys, like, are professionals. The beginning of the third episode of four, I don't think it's over yet. (laughs) Yeah, a typed suicide note, the most fakeable kind of suicide note. (laughs) 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 He signed with a digital signature. I was going to say, did he do this in Microsoft Word? That's really nice. (laughs) 
Well, if the detectives who were on the uh, the other violinist case was on this, they'd be like, man, this guy killed himself. He must have done it. <laughs> case closed. Now, they they all kind of team up together and solve the mystery. Mm-hmm. The four of them that are at the mansion, they get a call from Cosma who tells them somebody else has a connection to the dead girl, Hosho. And we find out who it is later. It's who I guessed it was. But it also is weirdly unrelated, mostly. And then they forget about him and hang up on him, and he angrily texts them a puzzle. <laughs> Kai, I wish I wish we were a video podcast because your reactions to your you're you're just like I'm just having a lot of feelings. Were, are you frustrated by all this? I, just, I was frustrated the entire time of watching this all these shows. So <laughs> yes, I think it's my fault because like I mean I'm taking notes and also paying attention like like trying to pay attention like it's harder on your podcast like we're taking notes because you also have to read subtitles right. So like there's just certain part that like I'm sure they've already said that I'm being re surprised by and like having to connect dots. So like. It's it's a wild ride for my brain on this. Hey Noah, if you roll a dice ten times, what's the probability you'll get a certain number more than once? Okay, uh, <laughs> this is the riddle that Cosma gives them. I'm gonna say ninety nine point nine percent. It's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. Yeah, it's got to be a mistranslation. Yeah, I do think it's a mistranslation, but like, well, so the specificity here is. Uh, if you're focusing on one specific number, what's the likelihood with that number that you will get it more than once? Not just the likelihood that you'll get any number more than once, which is definitely 100%. <laughs> I was going to say, that's called pigeonholing. I know this concept. I went to college. <laughs> are there other kinds of dice in Japan that might have fewer than six sides? I mean, in the same way that there are everywhere, every variety of D&D dice, yeah. but that's not, yeah. <laughs> not common. I'm willing to call it a mistranslation because they called it a dice, which it's a die, multiple dice. Come on, yes. guys. We all know this. This is the, this is the thing that, that finally gets Q. Ryu and Megu know most of it, and Q figures out the rest of it after picking up uh, Kirishima's violin case that was sitting there on the floor. Yeah, this is a classic thing this show at least specifically does, where they'll have like revealing parts of the conversation be inaudible so that everybody in the room is figuring it out, but the audience is like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how am I supposed to know the weight of a uh, violin case right, yeah. by watching it? <laughs> I, did know, I did say something to me because earlier Q had picked up Gotoda's violin case, and now he picked up Karishima's and then went, oh, mm-hmm, when he picked mm-hmm. up the second one. I just thought that maybe like, oh, there's a gun in there. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what was in there. Yeah, I was definitely a weapon. Yeah. But this is the point where wherever they're leaving out details for the audience, we get uh, Q's uh, array of hints. So we've got three hints this time. Hinto meets the wooden floor, Kazuma's (laughs) math problem, and the violin case. Those are the three hints that tell us how the person did it. And, but before then, Ryu has a quick scene where he goes to talk to the music collector. Mm-hmm. And he grabs her titties. <laughs> he grabs her by the shirt very close to her breast and pull, rips it open. Mm-hmm. A real bodice ripper this scene right. is. I wrote down, that was weirdly hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he exposes a tattoo on her chest, upper chest, near her collarbone. Uh, the Pluto tattoo. I, I wrote down... Did we just find out that she's Prince? What, what was the scene? <laughs> yeah, so this means we know it's a specific member of uh, Pluto, which is the woman we saw at the very beginning of the first episode, Miss Kaori, because that's where her tattoo is on the top of her chest. I really want it to be one of those like scenarios where you get like a tattoo, they're like, it means faith, and you're like, no, it means hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> this means death cult. Um, it means uh, 1999. <laughs> Uh, okay, so so now that he's revealed to all of us who she is, but to no one else, 
um, they gather everybody together to tell them who the murderer is. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is that Karishima's suicide was fake. He had gotten a lot of these phone calls, which made him really nervous when hearing the song. And that's why he left the room when they were playing the song at the concert, which set him up as the only person who could have done the murder, which then is why the murderer made it look like he suicided himself with and left this note. Mm-hmm. They wrote mm-hmm. down, they, they said it was a brilliant plot. And I'm like, that's not a brilliant plot. <laughs> like anyone would have figured that out. Like if the Zodiac killer had killed someone and left a note that said, I'm actually the Zodiac killer. I am ashamed of the <laughs> The police wouldn't go, whoa, we found the Zodiac killer. And this is also where they mentioned that this is the first essential hint of the setup that the first trick that they solved was actually like a trick hidden by a trick. Like they wanted them to solve that trick, but yeah. not solve the whole trick. Uh, and that's essentially that because Kirishima knew about the whiskey drinking, he could be uh, guilty. But actually, <laughs> this is the wild solution to that trick. Almost all of the liquids in the house were booby-trapped with cyanide in such a way that they would only go off if you shook it. <laughs> this is nonsense. There's, a, there's one more thing, too, but for, let's talk about the food. How... How can you, like, I understand people aren't picking up every food item and shaking it, but, like, I would shake salad dressing. I would shake certain things. And sometimes you're just, um, yeah. you're just not careful and you shake things. Yeah, it looked like a vinaigrette. You shake a vinaigrette. <laughs> How did no one else get poisoned at dinner? <laughs> yeah, that's wild. I don't know. I was, <laughs> I got too distracted by the next thing we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, well, then go which ahead. Which is <laughs> uh, that because he showers... Uh, three times a day, the way that they were going to kill him was by putting a snake in the shower. Oh, yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> they found a snake in a bag, and they're like, oh, well, they were going to murder him this way. He's like, when did this come Why up? Why is a snake in a bag? <laughs> yeah, snakes belong in a snake thermos. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> well, no, either, they're either like in a basket or in a box. You don't put them in a bag. <laughs> They belong in a can. No, they belong in a can of uh, of a uh, peanut brittle. So when you open it up, they fly out. <laughs> well, we actually had an episode a few episodes ago where Miss Kaori tried to kill Megu by putting a snake in a thermos and then opening the thermos and letting the snake out. So they've used snakes before. I don't know why. It just it felt like as if like you had won the snake at a carnival, like <laughs> like the see through bag. I don't know. It bothered me. <laughs> it was. It was like the goldfish bag at a carnival. Yeah. But the general wild setup is that they've booby trapped. All of his habits. <laughs> what kind of Indiana Jones shit was that? <laughs> and yeah, we start to get to a point where, right, the killer set all of this stuff up and didn't necessarily need to be there. And it gets less and less plausible to me that they were able to do all of this setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we would jump ahead to explain that thoroughly. So I'll say it when we've got the murder fully yep. revealed. The, but it, it ties into the next hint, which is hint number two, the wooden floor. Mm-hmm. which is that if he had actually broken all the pots in that room that seemed to be broken in that room, there would be lots of marks on the floor. So mm-hmm. seemingly uh, he broke the pots elsewhere <laughs> and brought them to the scene of the murder. Yeah, which means it could have been set up whenever, basically. To demonstrate that, he breaks a glass, and it's like, you didn't need to do that. Why are you breaking? <laughs> why are they? They break everything. <laughs> they break <laughs> They break a pot. They break another pot. They break a glass, and he breaks this glass too. And then later on... Uh, uh, someone breaks a vase in a hospital, and I was like, "Why is everyone shattering everything in this show?" <laughs> it's all the animators know how to draw. 
Yeah, like uh, <laughs> ceramics breaking. A few people die in, in this set of episodes, but has anyone done the body count on the ceramics and glasswork? Like, it's a tragedy. <laughs> uh, not, not as much. There's someone who loves, like, home shopping network and is just watching this being so upset. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote as a little uh, Easter egg for your show. Uh, didn't your Tom tired mom teach you better? Because uh, <laughs> in the first episode, someone referred to Q's mom as a tired mom. <laughs> I'm really glad that you bring mom up because next episode, our episode 24, she's gonna she's coming back. Ooh, did she Ooh. get a name? I don't know. <laughs> she's tired. <laughs> Poor hot mom. At this point, Ryu does, or Q does do the point and say, the murderer was you, Jim. (laughs) And I wrote down again, I'm Hell's Maestro. (laughs) (laughs) And we come back to see that he's accusing Gotoda. And he says the landslides were multi-purpose. They wanted to keep the target here, buy time for the murders to trigger that were remotely set um, while he was away. And by also time for him to come back and kill Kirishima while people were looking for him. Because it seemed like he fell, but he just faked it, went up to the house, killed the guy, and then went back down there to look like he had been passed out the whole time. Right. <laughs> and then they shook him. Basically, the implication here is between the time where uh, Gotoda is at the school and is picked up uh, by the other two in the car, uh, he has returned to the mansion, set up the first two automatic murders, gone back, and then... While he was with them climbing up the cliff, he faked his own falling. Uh, so in that half hour where he was missing, he committed the third murder. And then Okay, and, and this is my question, right? And we're still missing some stuff about how this plays out, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Did he knock out Shirasu? I was going to ask this. He like drove up to the house, knocked her out, put all the not the main vase next to her with the knife above her and the thing on top, and then drove away mm-hmm. after... Ryu, Megu, and um, Q had come to the mansion, but before he was picked up by Kinta? That's the implication. That also didn't make sense to me either. Yeah, it's a very small time frame they're playing with because it has to be between the concert and the murder. He has to have like gotten there. Like In terms of the shot order, it works out, but who knows how much time that actually was. Yeah. Oh, we really don't see him at the bus stop until after the concert. Right. Oh, so when I say everything out of order for the podcast, it actually <laughs> screws people up. The drive to the mansion should only take about an hour if you factor in that it takes them, according to the subtitles, about six hours to walk there. And it's like if you figure they're walking at like 10 miles per hour versus driving 60 miles per hour or something like oh that. Oh my god, Mike, of course you figured this out. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. Yeah, no. It's my job. job. <laughs> 10 miles an hour is yeah. also very fast, by the way. <laughs> it's very, like, it's 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 within You're the pale of... It. Like, you'd have to, yeah, it's very much in the pale of, like, just just shy of believable. Yeah, but it feels like they're a little rushed to not explain exactly how he did that and walk through all that, because that's mostly just stuff you're kind of filling in. Right. Um, and that's a, that's a qualm I have with this solution, for sure. But I love that uh, Hongo repeats the thing to Kinta about a person being prepared and smashes open the violin case. <laughs> he also smashes something. <laughs> Okay, let's tell them what's inside the violin case. Oh, are we doing it on the count of three? <laughs> no, There's nothing. Bees. <laughs> Kai, did you say bees? I did say bees. <laughs> A lifetime supply of rice <laughs> The fingers. Why didn't he just buy a shitty violin? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's the, he is an amazing violinist, uh, I, I assume. 
violinists have many violins. They don't just have their one violin, uh, as all mu musicians do. They always have more than one for these occasions. Why didn't he just have like a $50 one and put it in there? And then everyone would be like, then they'd open it up and be like, oh, it's just a shitty violin and close the case. <laughs> he should have put like a, um, a stupid novelty gift in there, like, you know, like a, a figurine or something wrapped as a gift for Sensei and been like, oh, I wanted to bring him a surprise gift and have nobody know. There's so many things he could have put in there. Literally anything except for nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, so this is also very flimsy, but like on one hand, he didn't want to bring his own violin because it would get ruined. Because he knew he would be walking in the rain. The other is he'd be walking for several hours, so he wanted to be carrying less things. Yeah. I thought that the violin case was going to have, like, murder tools or something that helped him climb the cliffside fast, like mm -hmm. climbing gear. A tuning fork to set up your incredibly elaborate resonating <laughs> frequency murder, maybe? <laughs> A gun. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, dead, the dead woman's fingers. Oh, no. Which he just keeps. No. Yeah, no, yeah. Why would like, he have that? <laughs> like, like all together is like a beaded necklace. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, he could have potentially kept them because this is where we learn his motive. But he, uh, she, she lost him in the hospital. I assume. Why would he? Yeah, have but them? he could be creepy. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he, he just goes through the the hospital's garbage and he's like, there they are. <laughs> Beat him up. <laughs> yeah, you know. Haven't you ever gone to the used fingers drawer in the hospital? <laughs> You know how at the hospital they just go, oh, fingers, gross, and then they toss them in the trash? <laughs> you know, Noah, a few episodes ago I revealed to you on the podcast that the reason we own our box spring and mattress is because somebody died in it, and it was cheap. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I mean, it's a box spring. <laughs> is, wait, hold on. Uh, is it haunted, though? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a haunted box spring? No. <laughs> No. Should we that... charge people to sleep on this? Yeah, bed? you should. At least a quarter, like for like a, just like five seconds. I'd pay for it. I, I want to try it out. Next time I'm there, can I check out your haunted box spring? For a dollar. <laughs> oh, you just went. You he just jacked up the price on you, That's guy. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Honestly, life's boring right now. I'm not spending much money. <laughs> I'm desperate. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kai, it's not haunted. But although sometimes I do have dreams, I'm a little old. <laughs> no, it's not haunted. <laughs> All right. So on the list of like number five top motives for murder, mm -hmm. uh, we, we get love. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. They're lovers. Right. Because mm -hmm. let's just lovers. throw that in there for some reason. I, I also was like, what? <laughs> well, so we've been led to believe for most of the epi episodes that uh, the four students collaborated to kill the fifth student. Right. But in actuality, Gotoda gave the concert at the last minute to, to her because he was like, you are more talented than me. I love you. Please prove it to the right. world. And then the other students took advantage of it and killed her that way. Or like had the incident where she lost her fingers, basically. And this is where I drew uh, attention earlier to the translation of... Uh, Hell's Maestro probably being more like Underworld because I think it's an allusion to Orpheus and that Gotoda is like Orpheus and that he was trying to, you know, like this was all about his lover that was in the Underworld mm. and he was trying to bring her back or oh. her basically. And he's a musician just like uh, Orpheus was a musician. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. So that's what I thought. This show is actually written. 
that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything else is a reference to like Greek slash Roman mythology. So I thought this probably was too. I mean, this is a little more well put together than like a murder mystery you might improvise <laughs> <laughs> for a comedy show. Oh my gosh, Jim, we for- I forgot a moment. Uh, so w- before the revelation of all the murders, uh, it was just Gotoda, uh, the old maestro and the maid alone together in a room and we saw someone a shadow figure was going to stab somebody in the room and then oh yeah they came barging in and i clocked that the maid had her hands behind her Mm -hmm. back oh Oh, i didn't know who had the knife i thought that was weird (laughs) and mostly forgot about it and i was like was she gonna stab somebody i I didn't suspect her of anything (laughs) when when she dropped the knife i was like i knew it (laughs) the maid maid drops the knife when she hears that he was the murderer and uh exactly what was going on because she thought he was also involved with um the death of osho uh but it turns out that she isn't Mm -hmm. yeah because the maid is the sister of hosho we find out she just also was planning to murder all four of them to the point where she's like yeah i'll just get a job there that'll work before this episode can end something really dramatic has to happen miss kaori says something ominous ryu has this sense something terrible is about to happen the culprit picks up the knife from the ground charges at q uh like be targeting him because he was the one that solved the murder and ryu steps in front and takes the blow Mm -hmm. in the heart (laughs) he gets stabbed in the heart and they go oh my god he needs to get to a hospital and the car is literally hours away let's let's just keep their let's just keep their bloody wound in their clothes let's not even just like try to get to the wound at all (laughs) put him on kinta's back he'll get him there and i love the the next episode on there's always like some text and uh, you know you know i don't know if this is the translation or the original bit but they're like uh next episode at the mansion a brilliant psychological war between pluto and dds <laughs> is that what unfolded i think not. although i will say what happened here with him suddenly picking up the knife and going crazy uh we do have context for it uh previously they refer to it um in the summary of episode 39 as an unforeseen act, but I'm like, this is very similar to what happened before. Yeah, so uh, both Miss Cowery and Pluto in general, uh, in addition to their inexplicable ability to look like anyone at any time, uh, can hypnotize people and make them do whatever they want sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they usually use it uh, specifically for when they fuck up their plans. I got a little confused at that because <laughs> I, I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but um, she gets uh, hypnotized, right? At the end, yeah, and at they the very s- end, mm-hmm. and they and they go, "You'll never be sane again." But wasn't she on the phone later, and was just like, "Nah, we fucked up." No, that's a different. That's a different one. That's Miss Urie. Ah, and this is Miss Cowrie. Yeah. Okay, there are never two mind. diabolical Pluto women. Okay, yeah. there are two exactly similar anime women in this show. <laughs> right. I mean, they are to the point that in the previous opening theme, they did like a very similar like pose at the same time. <laughs> So, Jim, what you're alluding to is later on, Miss Cowrie's going to end up getting captured here, and she's going to be in a police car, like, taken to headquarters. Yeah. And the Nubis drives by with, like, a little pocket watch, and she sees it, and it clearly triggers hypnosis, Ugh. and, uh... She, uh, she like, claws her face. Oh. <laughs> she, like, yeah, digs her... It was pretty graphic. For a show where multiple people get murdered, I was like, wow, that was... Whoa, that was a little much for me. <laughs> 
they they they've done clawing at faces a bit oh that's probably what it is because she often disguises herself as someone else so Mm -hmm. we've seen her kind of claw at her face before and dig into the fake flesh of the things she's taking off Mm -hmm. but now she doesn't have a mask on and she's digging into her real flesh it's like it's like her comeuppance even her name miss cowery like contains the character for face so she's all about having multiple faces She's like uh, that one scene in Poltergeist where the guy uh, rips his face off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it, Jim. It's not a spoiler, guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what ends up happening to Miss Cowrie. At the start of the episode, though, Gotoda is passed out, and Hongo decides to tell everybody about Pluto, which the mm-hmm. kids apparently didn't know anything about. Yeah, I thought that weird. I was like, wait, them. do Megu and Ryu or Megu and Q don't know anything about Pluto? And then I'm like, yeah, I guess they don't. <laughs> Um, and Hongo wants to put all four of them in police custody because he doesn't know who of them is and he doesn't want the Pluto member to get away. Mm-hmm. But we see Miss Kaori's perspective. Her, she has covered her mark in special makeup, so it doesn't matter if they search. And she suggests, why don't you just search everybody's body? In which case, I'm immediately like, you idiot. <laughs> I was like, oh, you idiot. But I didn't realize this because she covered it up with makeup. I was like, "Oh, you idiot! You're gonna, ha- you're, they're gonna see your prince tattoo. Like, <laughs> they're gonna no, know." She's just like, "All right, let's everybody get naked." <laughs> yeah, teenagers. <laughs> they take the long way around to explain it, but I'm immediately like, "Nobody knows you have tattoos except like you just ousted yourself as a member of Pluto by being a random person, being like, look at our naked yeah, bodies.'" Exactly. <laughs> That's the long and short of it. But he actually, I think, does this build up where he's like, it can't be you, Arisa, because you had a knife and Pluto wouldn't do that. It can't be you because you're a master violinist and no one can disguise themselves as a master violinist. And then he goes for the third guy and he's like, but maybe it's you. And instead he grabs her by the wrist and throws her. <laughs> he fucking yeets her. Too. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. is launched across the room. And she ousts herself again by landing like a ninja. I wrote like a cat, but yeah, still. (laughs) Ninja cat, ninja cat. No problem. It was nuts. It was like a quarterback throwing a football how far she went. You Mm -hmm. cannot throw a person like that. And it's like, it's fair that he was pretty sure, but what if you were wrong? (laughs) And you just threw a woman. (laughs) I would have laughed so hard if she just hit the ground. She had a huge thud and like, (laughs) like slid against the wall. I will say, though, I feel like this uh, exonerates uh, Hongo because in the previous episode where we thought basically somebody has infiltrated the school from Pluto and we don't know who it is. And I was like, it's Hongo, but Hongo and Miss Kaori are here at the same time and he ousts her. So I don't it's clearly not him anymore. Yeah. Also, they were suspicious of him because he wears this big, chunky watch. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why could why would you wear this watch? But then they also noticed it has a lot of scratches. So in the previous episode where he was introduced, they're like, oh, maybe he blocks <laughs> lots of knives with his watch. <laughs> And then he did. She goes to stab him. It's like, chink. And then she's like, what? And then she goes to stab more times. And he's like, stop it. I'm going to keep blocking it with my watch. (laughs) Which, as we know, we know uh, concretely the only reason a detective would wear a chunky watch is to block a knife. Yes. (laughs) And we've now seen that, that that's proven. So meanwhile, Q has disappeared. So earlier we saw Kinta climbing over a big rock with Ryu, and now a rock slide comes for them, and like Kinta does a huh and throws Ryu up to the top of the cliff. He this also is the second time he's done launches that. him. Another yeet. <laughs> <laughs> but he's now gonna fall off the cliff. And for a moment I was like, we are nearing the end of this series. Maybe Kinta falls. Maybe this is it. Well, I mean, like boulders are falling at his face. How does he not get hit by any of these things? Yes, 
He should be dead. <laughs> I wrote Kinta's dead. He's just dead. <laughs> and it's not, for me, it's not that Q comes out of nowhere to save him that gets me. Is it the fact that he scooters in on a, like a Home Depot uh, rack that you would buy wood on? <laughs> in the mud? <laughs> the only way to, scri- to describe it is he uses it as a, he's a scooters in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and grabs Kinta's wrist just in time and is like, a detective could never give up. I mean, I thought it was going to be Ryu, just like kind of just with enough energy, even though just like you've been stabbed, just like to throw an arm down and pull him up. But yeah, sure, that also works. It was also weird because like, they're like, Q, what are you doing here? He's like, I knew I had to help somehow. But you didn't know that they were going to fall off a cliff. You you were just like, oh, I need to help. What were you going to help about? Like, Kinta just has to get him to the to the car. There's nothing else he did after that. So all he did was help that one time inexplicably. <laughs> World's greatest yeah. detective, guys. <laughs> so now we have one more scene to wrap up the violin plot. And then mm-hmm. the rest of this is just going to be the Pluto stuff. So basically the main thing we learn is that uh, the murderer Gotoda was also pretty good at the violin and was supposed to get the violin uh, from the sensei. She was really good at the violin because her sister was really good. And then her mom was like, well, you have to be uh, really good, too. Oh, so you mean Arisa the maid? Well, that's kind of it makes it seem like she's going to become his next protege because he hears her playing the violin to cheer Megu up and is like, oh, that's so beautiful. Let me teach you. The, like, de facto sad moment is that Gotoda probably killed them all to keep them from getting the violin, and he was going to get it anyway. So, whoops! <laughs> what a mistake. But that wraps up That wraps up the violin. But there's, uh, like, eight minutes left in this episode, and uh, eight minutes left in the patience of our listeners. No, you're good. <laughs> no, I'm perfectly fine. There's something I absolutely want to talk about, so you keep going. <laughs> well, we so we've got uh, Ryu dreaming of, who's clearly now his shitty grandfather, who's got, like, a Pluto ring, so, like, it's all fun falling into place that what we've suspected probably for a long time is that his grandfather uh, who's been ordered him to be at DDS is the leader of, of uh, Pluto. And Michael, I am starting to think that that guy might be the same guy who made the violins, the violin and the door. Oh. So you think King Hades, Ryu's grandfather is uh, Kuzuryu. Yeah. You think that Ryu is Italian? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he uh, he changed his shirt very quickly because he got blood on it, but mm-hmm. in in another world that could have just been pasta sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I I really liked that uh, that like Sleepy Hollow place he uh, was in when he was seeing his grandfather. I was like, oh yeah, like I the like fully this red place. Stuff. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm into this. Let's stay here into for the, the demon rest of the theme. show. Yeah, it could be like Tartarus, right? Oh, oh, yeah. I must be hungry. Because I just made a sauce reference, and now I'm thinking about tartar sauce. Mm. (laughs) Focus, Noah. Tartar sauce, the underworld. (laughs) Yeah, so he wakes up, and he's like, those are my friends, when he sees Q and Kinta, which I don't think he's referred to them as his friends before. Mm -hmm. And then there's the police car scene we talked about, but there's this confrontation scene in the hospital. The four of them are leaving, and they walk past Sir Anubis, who nobody seems to Q kind of notices him for a second but nobody really stops to look at this guy who is the strangest guy in the world carrying into the hospital <laughs> a bouquet of black roses which is like yeah like he's the tallest person on the show he's bleach blonde in a world full of asian people uh, he's carrying a bouquet of black roses and is wearing what looks like extremely expensive clothing no one looks at him trench coat <laughs> a, like 
you know, there's something like medieval about it. <laughs> Man, Ryu's got a weird family. <laughs> also, uh, quick note, uh, when we saw Sir Anubis in the car, uh, basically killing Miss Cowrie with hypnosis, uh, we saw the, uh, the pocket watch that we see in the opening, which we had not seen before. Is Anubis's watch, yes. Oh, yeah, it is in the opening. I want to know, I only watched the opening that one time. You've seen it uh, only one less time than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's right. You skipped the opening, you jerk. I get it. It's not a great song, guys. <laughs> Jim not. doesn't like having fun. I'd, I like. <laughs> I usually watch anime openings, and I, I did watch them these few times because I was catching up on my notes, but I don't like the Peepo Angels, and I don't like either of their songs in this anime. <laughs> this song is growing This song is growing on me, but it's, it's not my favorite uh, by far. Um, what else? What else happens in this scene? What else do people want to call out? He he go he gives him the black uh, flowers, and he says, "I like this color. It's like dried blood. It's like dried blood's not black, not like pitch <laughs> black like you gave him." <laughs> also, he very rudely throws out Megu's flowers, which I was like, "Yeah, what a douche!" Right into the trash. Didn't your tired mom teach you anything? With all the discarded fingers from the mm. hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what was, wasn't, didn't they have like a special name? Were they like a particular type of flower? The black, black pearl roses. Mm, yeah. Pretty. I don't know. I like them. They represent, what did they represent? You are my love forever or whatever. Yeah. He says you are mine forever. Yeah. It's that's a symbol. It. It's a symbol that uh, Ryu can't leave Pluto. Ooh. He's the only one who has bloodlines of their founder, right. Hades, King Hades. This is just a love story. Yeah. This is really nice. And the whole time I'm hoping that like, I hope Ryu does end up like that. I hope he, I hope his arc that his, is that he becomes evil i don't think he will i think they've they're pulling him away from well, that just to be clear mm-hmm. neither of you have seen beyond this right like this is your experience with this in a, in real time great yep. okay i just wasn't sure if mm-hmm. one of you was showing this to the other person nope awesome no. good we are uh we haven't watched clue recently so we are clueless <laughs> <laughs> clue is one of my top 30 favorite movies jim what is your 17th favorite movie um, so I actually have tiers for my movie for my favorite movies. It's just I have a top thirty, and then the next tier I think there's like two hundred movies and nine out of ten stars on IMDb. I rate all my movies on IMDb oh uh, and I, to keep track of them. Oh, okay. So if I'm looking at movies on IMDb uh, and it's like rated six point two, that's like I can know that it's people like you that it's that <laughs> yes, you, it's your opinion. <laughs> yes, I'm one of the reasons. I'm actually one of the like top 1,000 people of rating movies on there. Are you serious? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they like give you like a little badge that's like you watched it. You rated a lot of movies here, kiddo. What a weird superpower you have. <laughs> I didn't realize you were such an influencer. You're just out here, just like putting so much <laughs> out of the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm the reason why The Godfather is no longer number one. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I I gave that ten stars. Oh, what's number one now? Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, it's not the it's not the Demon Slayer movie. <laughs> no, there there was a bunch of drama when the Dark Knight came out, and everyone gave it ten stars, and then it went to the number one spot, and everyone was like, that doesn't deserve to be there, so they all gave it one star, and then the, everyone who liked the Dark Knight gave the Godfather one star, so then the Shawshank Redemption took so the top spot. None of this is mm. pure. I've been trusting wholeheartedly into IMDb. Beam. <laughs> Oh, God, no. It's all politics. No rating system is pure. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do these campaigns to rating bombs, things that they don't like, too. Yeah. But um, you, well, let me tell you about a real ratings bomb right here, which is Ryu's attitude. Womp. Nice segue back into the show, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I try. Uh, because he is like, 
he's this is what he says i wrote it down and my accursed life forgive me strength to fight and then he disappears from the hospital and they're all gonna go looking for him they so, all run uh-oh. around their very large city screaming his name mm-hmm. <laughs> do we know where he is no let's go let's try everywhere why, why the mall though was one of the first places like oh he's probably totally going to like <laughs> gotta go to spencer's <laughs> and get some cool t-shirts <laughs> this somber anime boy he loves going to uh <laughs> he loves going to urban he's gonna get a cinnabon real quick after this adventure <laughs> oh no this is when fye was still around he was going to fye to buy anime merch ah <laughs> did they have fye at uh in japan probably not they still have anime merch stores in japan though so that's a whole different demographic they have whole places for entire shows one piece has yeah. like uh entire stores how come lazy computer kid doesn't actually go out and help like i know that like you're no, no. this is not dangerous you're just going to try to find your friend no no he does. I think we saw him run out this Oh, we time. did? Okay. I think we see all of them running okay. around on the streets. He probably went to, like, Best Buy. No, that's right. Cosma is in the uh, back of his car yeah. Yeah. being driven around by yeah, his what butler. The hell? Which uh, is... he's, he's pulling up CCTV footage on right, his computer. Well, at least he's helping. Which, why is he doing that in the car? He, sh- that, uh, he would obviously have a, have a better internet connection at home. <laughs> he, he uses his computer everywhere he goes. You, you've, seen, you've seen him do that. That's true. Yeah, I have. Probably just on his way down to the mall. He's going to go to the, like, the food court and just meet up with his friend and try to like get some internet there. He's fine. Yeah, he, we've already called into question his like seemingly limitless supply of internet in the early 2000s. And I wonder if he's got like his own satellite somewhere, like very Kaiba Corporation-like, just <laughs> internet connection. There's one time they went to a remote island and he didn't have internet service. But even the time when they were like literally underwater, is this is this set? <laughs> he did. Like, this came out in two thousand one, right? So I mean, it's this, is this like also time set in two thousand one, like two thousand four? Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 That's why they have uh, an MD medical disc, mini disc, <laughs> mini doctor, okay. medical doctor, <laughs> medical duck. <laughs> <laughs> So then we we see that Ryu, where is he? He's at the the bridge overlooking the trains. Mm-hmm. Yep. He is on a bridge contemplating suicide. Right. And they're playing a sick techno beat this was, while this is all happening. <laughs> this, <was> indeed, <laughs> this is a children's television show. It was just to prove that there are indeed times in which it's possible where you, where you might be depressed. And this is one of those times. <laughs> it's... It's a callback, Jim. Don't give me such a nasty face. <laughs> I almost, when you said that earlier, I almost specifically mentioned Ryu because, yeah, he's 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 a bit he's a gloomer yeah. sometimes. He glooms. I was like, this is getting dark real fast. Yeah. Uh, but Q finds him. Mm-hmm. Thank God. And kind of talks him out of it. Uh, the first thing he Q learns about him is he's like, your mom must be worried about you, and Ryu's like, that's not my real mom. <laughs> but don't ask me any further questions i'll explain it later <laughs> yeah detective boy um and then he uh invites himself over for a sleepover right. it goes from i'm gonna kill at myself to like hey man can i can i sleep at your place lumber party <laughs> logical and then but then q is like yeah of course you can stay with me as long as you want what about your mom <laughs> she she owns this house i assume or rents it at least she must have a say in whether or not they can take in strange anime boys <laughs> it's an apartment actually we don't know what q's mom does so for all we know she is the uh she runs the shelter for lost bishonen yeah lost <laughs> anime boys <laughs> What's written on her apron again? Is it like hot tea or something like that? So it's a kettle of tea pouring with like steam lines and it says hot on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she's hot mom. She's a hot tea. 
And that's the T, sis. Okay. There's a brief scene where Miss Yurie checks in with Anubis, and not much happens. Pluto's basically like, everything is going according to plan. Mwahaha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and now I think we have about 20 minutes left, and we can use all of that to talk about the post credit scene. <laughs> At the very end. <laughs> Which was great. I loved it. They know, they know all the BL tropes of 2004 that they're playing into, and they're having fun with it. What's BL? Uh, in the U.S. fandom, they'll call it Yaoi, but it's boys love, uh, which is where like they have androgynous boys making out with each other and being flirty. That's funny. I actually, th- I was like, oh, it's probably gonna be like boy love or something like that. Okay, yeah, I, <laughs> it is. Yep, it's boy love. Those people are as dumb as I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Japanese people using English words, so it sounds fancy. So this is this is just, oh okay just twinks. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very, it's a very like overly uh, stereotypical BL setup where one of them is like the mysterious broody Bishonen pretty boy, and the other is his super innocent like young acting friend, and they're like making out. <laughs> well, what it is is the, Ryu's like, "Where am I gonna sleep?" And Q's like, "Oh, do you want to sleep in my bed?" And Ryu's like, "Oh, sure, I can no, do that." Ryu's like, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm a flushed-out gay person yet. So, <laughs> yeah, Ryu's like, I'm still questioning my sexuality because I'm a 13-year-old boy, and I'm just now discovering myself. And, but then Q's like, "Just kidding, you can have the futon." <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love the idea that him be just totally oblivious to it. <laughs> and as long as at the end of the series he's like, "Oh, by the way, I was gay all along and I don't like Megu at all." <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, they're going to kiss or something. Ryu and Q? No, Q and Megu. Oh, it's probably yeah. Q and Megu. That's the author's real uh what's the term? Uh OTP? Kaiju? Yes, thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, of course they are, because they're the only two with anime eyes. Like, everyone else has normal eyes, and then those two have their gigantic uh, Sailor Moon eyes. Megu has total chibi moon hair. It, it was something I noticed when I first watched it. was like, okay, so Kinta's a normal person who hangs out with two anime characters. And also, <laughs> and, uh, also a boy in a beanie. Now that, now that we're all done, let's, let's, let me hear your thoughts. I get the sense, like, you all aren't the same mystery people in the way we are. But it seems like you kind of let yourself be along for the ride. Very soapy, very opera. What would we think? Yeah, I mean, I was I was tilted forward through most of this. Um, that's partially because the futon I was sitting on is kind of uncomfortable. But <laughs> <laughs> but also, yeah, a fair amount of it was just suspense. Like, I, I did enjoy uh, the twists and turns. And I did actually stand up a few times being like, oh, I know it. I know you did it. Uh, so I shouted. I was I was pleased to be able to shout at my TV a little bit today. It was nice. They fell into a lot of traps that happen in mysteries, which is like the last second reveal of uh, information or uh, new people that show up at the end or like just hidden motives uh, like the uh, that he would love the that the killer loved all the people or loved the, mm-hmm. all the people <laughs> love the uh, the dead girl. So it 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 has a lot of bad in it. But I don't know. I'd, I'd, I liked watching it. I like watching all the uh, the demon stuff. That was fun. <laughs> I mean, I am impressed uh, by, like, the reveal of who it was. Like, I honestly, I would have never suspected that a person who wasn't there is behind everything. Like, that's mm. that's really fucking clever. The writer, like, the writers, I gotta give them to them. Like, that's, that's some good shit. Yeah, I wish it was a little more solid. That one trick made a little more sense. 
Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the typical thing, I think, with the show and a lot of these Japanese, uh, well, these super elaborate Japanese murder mysteries where, like, the overall, like, overarching thing is, like, feels really clever and has a lot of fun twists, but then also some of the set dressing is, like, Mm. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, the issue with the set dressing is if you shake it up, the cyanide pill at the top gets mixed in. Oh no. Also, a snake. It's just sometimes it gets wild. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look. They have a sponsorship deal with the reptile house at the Tokyo Zoo. So, <laughs> Does it remind you of other... TV shows, movies, or other specific mysteries, or oh, did I mention cereal boxes? Did I mention seen? the movie Clue at all during this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm clueless, Kai. What is that? Hey, no, I'm trying to think. Just because it's a early 2000s anime, it reminds me of that era, which was a weird time for anime because I hate it. Um, because they have very poorly drawn in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, uh, what's the main guy? Q? Mm-hmm. He's such a flat-looking character. Yeah, that was my first impression of this show. Yeah, like, he looks like a cardboard cut. He looks like a South Park character in a regular anime. Yeah, it's like they, they gave him weird things about his appearance to make, like, in an attempt to make him look, like, different, but they're all failures. Like, his weird hair doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, his weird, like, jacket that stops at his ribcage doesn't make any sense. Yeah, specifically his hair looks, it makes him look like a literal two-dimensional character, while everyone else kind of has, also Megu. Megu also looks like, they both look like two cartoon characters in a, in a regular world. <laughs> Jim, I'm curious, because you watched essentially the first five episodes of the show, and mm-hmm. now you've seen 36, 37, 38, 39. <laughs> did, did this kind of line up with the expectations that those first five episodes had set uh i think the arcs went on longer than i thought they were good on i thought it would be like a monster of the week where like every single episode was a new mystery but yeah it kind of did uh i obviously i expected that there would be a uh, a demon organization that's behind uh, a bunch of things because you can't have a mystery show without a foil like that kind of even though it's like outlandish it also does make sense so yeah it does uh it does line up with how i thought <laughs> I mean, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, Scooby-Doo. I mean, that's, like, probably the closest. I mean, because it's not Scooby-Doo. Don't get offended. <laughs> I'm, I'm not offended. Okay, I just want to be clear. Like, this is better, like, stuff than Scooby-Doo. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of, like, the closest I think I have in terms of comparison of, like, young, like, kind of occasionally... Uh, well, actually, they're nowhere near as clueless uh, <laughs> uh, as Scooby-Doo <laughs> characters, but... Uh, yeah, no, it's good. This reminds me a lot of that one movie, um, Clueless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> With Paul Rudd? <laughs> That's what... Is Paul Rudd in Clueless? Is yes, Paul Rudd in Clueless? He's, 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 like, oh. he's like 22 He's the, the, the sexy, bro- like, I think, uh, stepbrother? He's a stepbrother. Yeah, he's a sexy yeah. stepbrother. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I'm Cluelessless. Because she, she ends up, spoiler alert for the movie Clueless, uh, she ends up dating him at the end, and it's like, but we're step siblings, and one of them was p- part of a secret oh. organization the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "You tried driving in platforms." I love that movie; it's very good. Um, so, Jim, mm-hmm. do you feel like you you now are going to go back? I know the answer to this question, uh, and fill in all the episodes you haven't seen, or just in general, would you ever watch more of this show? Um, not to suck up, but the only reason I would ever watch 
more of it, these episodes would be to listen to more of your podcast because I really do enjoy listening to you guys. Um, but that is literally the only reason why I'd watch more episodes. Ooh, ooh, same, because I'm also equally as good of a brown noser. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it in your face, Kai. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Although I will say I do kind of want to know what, what what's going on with Ryu. Mm. I want to know how that ends up. Yeah, there's only... Um... Six more episodes of Detective Academy Q. 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, and 45. And then yeah. it's just completely done? Yeah. yeah. We caught this at a very interesting time. Okay. Mike, what's the name of the the other boy from Kingdom Hearts that's not the main kid who's not Riku? Sora? Yeah, he reminds me of Riku. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Riku and Ryu are pretty similar. Yeah. <laughs> it's that character type for sure. To the point that in the first Kingdom Hearts, Riku also worked with the Eagle organization and then pulled away from it and then struggles the rest of the time with the darkness in his heart, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> That's probably why I like his arc, then. Uh, excuse me, it's my arc. <laughs> okay, Noah. <laughs> now, um, I do want to say, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, uh, while we have been talking a long time... And you have probably been sitting there holding back these desperate thoughts that you want to get out there. Well, you can send those to us, dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com, and we will say them on the podcast um, instead of saying our own nonsense. And now, more than ever, we need you to send us your uh, Ryu slash Q fan art. Uh, <laughs> you have not sent us thus far, and we're running out of time, and we need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we, don't, if we don't get it by the time we finish covering this show... I guess that's it. I guess that's it then. I it. I might I, I might draw some tonight, maybe. <laughs> it's not gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> I could draw stick figures and I could write <laughs> I could write Q and Rio and it just says it just says Q and Rio above it, age eighteen for both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I do want to ask you all because uh, we were we recorded an episode with you of your podcast recently. You also both of you are on Daddy Issues together with Mike. So I don't know. You want to tell people about those things? I like those things. Jim, what are we doing? What's our rapport? Uh, okay. Well, we have a podcast. I'll talk about the podcast. You talk about Daddy. Okay, issues. sounds great. <laughs> uh, we have a podcast. It's called. Oh my god. Uh Rotten Treasure. <laughs> Where we uh we watch a movie from a, a movie franchise every week and uh we talk about it with some friends of ours. Uh Mike and Noah were on the fifth episode? Yep. Yes. They were on the fifth episode. Uh Home Alone Five. We were doing the Home Alone the series. Holiday and, Heist. Uh, yeah, the holiday heist. Uh and, and since a... you made us watch that awful movie, we didn't feel bad about asking you to watch four episodes of the <laughs> <No, laughs> we got the better end of the steal. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, big time. <laughs> but yeah, that that uh, we uh, put those up on podcast apps Thursdays, so you should be able to catch your episode. Uh, it should be out by the time this one comes out, but it would be up on eleven twenty six. Oh yeah, no, they'll be going. But yeah, everyone who's listening is going to go back in time uh, and and watch, you know, or listen. Yeah, watch, listen to our uh, listen to Mike and Noah's episode. Please do. They can download it anytime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's not going anywhere. It's a great episode. I love it. That's the thing about podcasts is sometimes I'm like, don't miss it. And I'm like, no, you can't miss it. (laughs) So, Mike, have you, you must like, so I have mixed feelings because I think in the five episodes, or actually, we've recorded more than that now on on our podcast. 
we really haven't mentioned daddy issues that much, which is our improv group. Like, I don't know what it is, but like on some <laughs> level, I'm just like, oh yeah, I forgot. I do do improv because uh, we're in a pandemic um, and I forget that that's a thing sometimes. Uh, but yeah, we, have you already told people on here the deets every third, uh, every third Thursday or every third Friday? We sure have okay. it. Every, every <laughs> third Friday uh, of the month, daddy issues uh, gets online and gives everybody a free show. Uh, you can check us out either through our Instagram, Daddy Issues, Improv Comedy. It might just be Improv, uh, as well as also our Facebook. I don't think we ever got a Twitter, but maybe this is the... Uh, we have our... one. We don't use it. Okay, cool. Well, you know what? Be the one person who likes us on Twitter, and occasionally we might update you with what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, the last time we mentioned Daddy Issues was when Kate was on, uh, but we didn't have a schedule yeah, back then. Yeah, we're doing the props. Yeah, check that stuff out. Home Alone 5, I thought, was very entertaining, but I was the only one who maybe was entertained. <laughs> but uh, our conversation was definitely entertaining. I, I did, honestly, I am, I'm really, like, listening back on these and just really enjoying the episodes of the bad movies quite a bit. Uh, just because, yeah. so, so far, all of the painfully bad uh, content we've seen has been at least delightfully painfully bad. <laughs> I like that part with the college kid in the in the fifth one. We talk about that in the episode, so you have to download it to find out about them. Ooh, I know how to tease. Uh, well, thank you both for watching this thing, for talking with us, for for being yeah. friends, for um, for learning to play the violin. I don't know. No, honestly, this is <laughs> thank you for having this us. Is my favorite part about uh, doing podcasts is actually just, and also having people on ours is just like I I genuinely miss my friends. So this is a pleasure. Thank you so much. Like. Yeah, it's just a joy, so appreciate you. Um, now, our next episode is going to be covering Detective Academy Q, episode 40. In that episode, Ryu and Q and Q's mom go out uh, to investigate something weird going on in their neighborhood. Ooh. Some kind of weird ghost lady or something. Uh, <laughs> nice one-episode story for us to cover. I wrote down here that Ryu plus Q plus Q's mom are the real trio de beauty. <laughs> and I think that'll be true. <laughs> um, now, uh, you've listened to the end of what is a, a seeming to be one of our longer episodes, which makes sense. We've got two guests. We've got a whole bunch of episodes to go through. So, wow, thank you so much. You are so dedicated and uh, wonderful to listen to us. And you can recruit other people to be dedicated listeners by signaling to them that this is a good podcast. So, on Apple Podcasts, give us that five star. Write a little comment, and wherever you else, if it's not Apple Podcasts, you can also like or subscribe and do all those things. Or hypnotize people to watch. Oh, yeah, hypnotize other people to do it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, And you can also stay in touch with us. We're on social media. We're on Facebook, Dying Message Podcast, and at Dying Message Pod on Twitter. You can't miss an episode that way. Um, You still can't miss an episode, but we announce them there and share some of the details. And some uh, pictures from the episodes as well, which is nice to complement this audio medium. So do that, all that stuff, and come back again with us next week. But uh, there was one more thing. I know everybody has been on the edge of their seats since the beginning of the episode. I have here the cards from the game Win, Lose, Banana. So one of them says Win, one of them says Lose, and one of them says Banana. Now, whoever gets the Win card is going to tell me about their mystery today. Which is really, if that happens, it's also me losing. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would have to share that go ahead so i've shuffled these three small playing cards um this first one is for jim yes it is 
a win. Yes. Take that, okay. Kai. No, this, okay. this next one is for Kai. Oh, come on, get that banana. It is a banana. Cool. <laughs> uh, this last one is for Michael. It's a lose. I would also like to point out for the audience, though Noah has chosen the win loser banana cards for this particular thing, the desk he rifled through to get them also had two full sets of dice (laughs) of all numbered sizes, and this is how he chose to do it. I've also been keeping (laughs) playing cards in here. Yeah, I had lots of choices. (laughs) Jim, you got to tell us about the mystery of the goosebumps, the scary goosebumps episode. Um. So it turns out. Uh, I found out when I was like 22 that it was not a scary Goosebumps episode. It was, in fact, an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Wait, I, I feel like I'm missing context. For yeah, that. I thought what, so. <laughs> what's the setup? Okay, so when I was four, I went to a sleepover at my cousin's house. And they were like, oh, let's watch some Goosebumps. And we watched the episode with the, uh, the scary mask. And they were like, oh, another one is uh, coming up. Uh, or so I thought. And I watched it. And there was a puppet. Uh, and then, uh, at the end, uh, there's like a magician and they push the magician into a box and then he comes out a very scary monster for a four-year-old. And I was already kind of scared of goosebumps to begin with. And now I'm watching an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer meant for teenagers and up. (laughs) So I was scarred by that. Couldn't sleep all night. Couldn't sleep for the rest of probably the week. Uh, remembered it all my life. And then when I was 22, I was like, I'm going to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I hear that's a good show. And then like six episodes in, that was one of the episodes. And I was yeah. like, oh, I knew I saw. Oh, my God. And I was scared. I don't have an end to that story. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, had, you, you spent 20 years thinking you had seen a Goosebumps episode, but really it was Buffy. Yep. Michael and I have watched some of that together, but we skipped the first season because... <laughs> For new viewers of Buffy, I often make that recommendation to just skip season one. It's I've never watched it, so you're also talking to your uh, target market here. What, 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 why? Is it just bad? or It just takes... It's a, it, it develops okay. through the first season into the second season, and then in the second season it kind of hits its pattern and its stride. So when do I get to find out how they met their mother? No, no, Kai, Kai, Kai. You're thinking of the show How I Met Your Mother. Oh, sorry, I just saw the same actor in it. I assumed it was the same show. Yeah, when it comes to Buffy, you have to worry more about when they say goodbye to the mother. Am I right? Oh, spoilers. Okay. Spoilers. <laughs> All right, that's way, that's like wicked oh spoilers. <laughs> it was a very trauma, traumatizing episode. <laughs> and that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Episode 23, in which we rip off our faces. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guests, Kai Bobby and Jim O'Donnell. Coming up, why doesn't Q's mom get invited to more mysteries? Who had the saddest childhood? What's the best way to look shapely in your kimono? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note. The Dying Message. The, the the thing about that episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the the premise is there's a talent show. Um, so I don't know what what are you all performing in the high school talent show? Is this an improv thing we're doing? Oh, right we now? just no. I'm oh, just asking we... you like what is your talent? Yeah, go ahead, Jim. What, is it improv? <laughs> so no, it's not improv. I actually did do a one man show. I did do a couple of talent shows when I was a kid. Um, because I play music. I was a I'd play piano in front of audiences and it was also it was always awful. And then your fingers fell off and you never played again. Oh. <laughs>
Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kai, what do you? What would you do in a, in the high school talent show? I mean, as an adult now, I think the thing I'd probably be most confident would be I, I spent many years being a slam poet. Um, but then eventually I was like, ah, oh, this trauma is boring to get points for. Let me share it for laughs instead. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I would do just fine at that. Uh, but what I actually used to do as a kid, I, was, um, I used to do puppet shows. Um, but I didn't do, it was like, I did it once at a talent show and then I started doing it as a fifth grader for like first graders and second graders. Um, so yeah, that's where, that's where some of my prov comes from is, is puppets. Did, did you, uh, really disappoint some kids at their birthday parties oh my god no i never got the chance to play birthday parties my uh my career died pretty early were they like sock puppets or like marionettes they're marionettes no i only had two of them that's the... awesome oh. i didn't know you did that yeah, no it was a good time uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, they weren't, like, particularly very expensive. I could mostly just get them to, like, put their hands over their eyes and be, like, peekaboo or, like, do push-ups. So, like, I wasn't particularly good. More than I could do. It's I, Yeah, I don't need you to be, like, John Cusack and being John Malkovich, but... There was a time where the head got messed up and it kept, like, turning around, uh, like it was, like, in The Exorcist. Um, and I was like, this is bad for the show. <laughs> this is probably The kids terrifying. at this bar are angry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that would be my, maybe I need to bring back the puppeteering, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not too late to revive my dream.